Welcome back to another episode of the Educational AD Podcast. We couldn't do these without the incredible support of our sponsors. And we want to take a moment to say thank you to all of them. First, thanks to our diamond sponsor, Varsity Brands, including BSN, Varsity Spirit, and Herc Jones. Varsity Brands, elevating student experiences in sport, spirit, and achievement. We also want to say thank you to our platinum sponsors, including Hometown Ticketing, simple and easy online ticketing. Vital Signs, bring student achievements to life. Gipper, sports graphics made incredibly simple. Ephesus Lighting, innovating a brighter future at every level. And Camp Mobile, where leaders communicate better. Thanks to all of our great sponsors. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Educational AD Podcast. Our guest today is Dr. Keisha Rowles. Uh, Dr. Rowles is a certified athletic administrator, and she's the director of athletics and also the athletic trainer for the Rockdale County Schools in Conyers, Georgia. Dr. Rowles, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me excited about our conversation today. Well, we appreciate you taking the time to uh, visit with us. And as you know, uh, it's a busy time for athletic directors. So we're going to jump right into it. We always like to let our listeners have a chance to get to know our guests. So tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, where you uh, were born, where you grew up, uh, where you went to college, and then uh, maybe how your love of athletics led to your current position. Okay, so I am originally from Albany, Georgia, and I am the product of two coaches and former athletic directors. Both my mom was an athletic director at the middle school level. My dad was a high school athletic director and a district athletic director as well. So everyone in my family was always involved in sports, either as a coach or educator from uncles and aunts to cousins. So I always knew that athletics would be an inherent part of what I did. Just at that time, teaching wasn't really my passion. I was more passionate about sports medicine and the medical aspects and injuries. So I was a two-sport athlete in high school, ran track and played basketball. My parents weren't only my parents, but they were also my coaches and my teachers because I went to school where my parents were teaching as well. Um, once I graduated from high school, again, I had to make a choice. I knew that sports medicine was my passion. So even though there were some athletic opportunities that were presented to me, I made the choice to go the academic route to pursue what I knew my passion was. I was able, however, to walk on to the women's basketball team at Armstrong Atlantic State University in Savannah and only played for one year. And again, I had to make a choice um, in my athletic training program. At the time, we had to get 1,500 hours of contact hours. Mm -hmm. So I knew that balancing being a student athlete with those demands and trying to pursue my academic choice that I had to make a choice. And I chose to pursue the athletic training. So I was a student athletic trainer for the majority of the athletic teams at Armstrong during that time. 
When I graduated from Armstrong, I went on to the University of Alabama, Birmingham, where I served as a graduate assistant athletic trainer for their track and football programs. Now it's time for me to start my profession. So I worked in Alabama for an additional two years as a certified athletic trainer for a couple high schools and wanted to get closer back home. I wanted to come back to Georgia, was able to secure a position at a Metro Atlanta hospital, again, serving as an athletic trainer at the high school level. And then the opportunity presented itself. Rockdale was creating, had created a position as the athletic coordinator and I applied for that position. The position was actually created because unfortunately in the summer of 2006, Rockdale County had a student athlete succumb to heat stroke. So this position was being created so that there would be an individual at the district level that would kind of oversee the athletic programs and then the sports medicine needs of the athletic program as well. So I started this position in January of 2007 and have been here ever since. And you know, when you're in education, you do as educators do. And my background at the time was strictly in sports medicine. So I sought out to pursue my doctorate in sports administration and received that in 2015. And so now I'm still here 14 years later and I'm just excited about how just the program and my position have evolved over time. I mean, I always love to hear these stories, and I'm certain that any athletic director listening would uh, talk to the importance of having a, uh, a good athletic trainer uh, at their school. I got to imagine that that background you had, you know, as an undergrad and working with the teams and working with coaches, I mean, what a great experience that you could have in your, what we'd like to call toolbox uh, for later on uh, when you're an AD. Yes, I, I agree. And I am under the belief that if your athletic programs cannot afford an athletic trainer and an AED, then you can't afford to have athletics. No, again, we're very fortunate at my school um, uh, here in Florida. You know, we've got just, I mean, she is the best athletic trainer and um, just the relationships that they have, uh, the trainers build, you know, with the students. Uh, build your program, you know, with your coaches. I mean, they're uh, pretty much an extension of you as an AD. So uh, uh, I can't imagine juggling uh, both jobs. Uh, hard, I have a hard enough time with one. How do you do that? Let's talk about that. So that, that was a part of the process, <clears throat> excuse me. When I came into this position in 07, I knew that it was unrealistic for me to believe that I could be at seven sites. I have four high school, I mean, three high schools and four middle schools. So it was impossible for me to be at all those sites. So my first objective was to create what I entitled a student athletic aid program. And so that was an opportunity for the students who are already out there serving as managers and hydration specialists, because I don't like to use that term, the movie was coined, but you know, so I wanted to provide them an opportunity with some structural educational principles so that they would be some additional eyes and ears for me and for the coaches that you would have an individual there that had some training that would be able to assist. The program grew tremendously. 
from a one year to now it's a four tier program. And I would be remiss if I did not recognize that the district also hired two additional full-time athletic trainers to help out. And so now there is one of us at each of the high schools that also support the feeder middle school programs. You know, just uh, again, uh, for our listeners, uh, can't underline the importance enough about, you know, having uh, a quality, you know, athletic trainer for your program. Um, you know, that if you can get that student program going, I, I think that's a good step, but you got to have mm -hmm. trainers. Um, talk a little bit about that transition from, say, you know, the, the private sector, you know, college uh, and working at the, through the hospital to the, the public school uh, setting. Any challenges with that or was it uh, seamless? Now, it was more of a seamless transition, but a lot of times there can struggle between when you are contracted for a service, you have an obligation to your employer and also an obligation to the school in which you're contracted out for. And it has to be that you're putting the best interests of the student athletes and those that are involved ahead of, you know, a bottom dollar. So for me, it was a seamless transition, but I do know some that have struggled with that and there's some quota demands that their employer has when they're outsourced to some of these high schools and other locations. Yeah, it's a, a, always an interesting dynamic when you get those two entities working <laughs> together. Um, Keisha, you uh, talked about, you know, your parents both being in education and, uh, you know, uh, they were your teachers and coaches. I'm going to guess they would probably be uh, at the top of your list uh, as far as mentors. Um, mm -hmm. and we always like to hear about the individuals that helped get us where we are. So in addition to your parents, um, you know, who were some of your mentors that you had either growing up or maybe people that you've worked with or worked for? Uh, the expression I like to use is I still hear those voices in my head uh, when I'm talking to a, a kid or a coach or maybe a parent. So whose voice do you still hear? Definitely my parents. I mean, I think that they were and continue to be my strongest supporters. You know, they model the example that although this job can be very demanding, that you can have a balance, that you can be present in your home, present in your family lives. And also they taught me just to follow my dreams. You know, there were some bumps in the road in me actually getting my first GA position to me getting my first employment. So there was some bumps in the roads, but my parents have definitely been in just that circle with around all of the other coaches that I have been able to have access to and athletic directors that just were a part of who I were and who I was and growing up. And that's what I knew. So I knew that I had some role models to kind of when I got to a position that if I had questions, I can always reach back and call them and I had seen somebody model what the position is. No, and again, it just uh, it, it's great to hear that those people uh, that influenced back then are still influencing us uh, now. Uh, you and I met uh, online. That sounds kind of crazy uh, <laughs> through the uh, NIAAA's uh, uh, virtual conference this year. Yes. And uh, I know you're involved uh, at the state and at the national level. So just share a little bit about how you got involved with that. I think it's important for our younger ADs to, uh, to get involved and in, uh, hearing the stories of others, I, I think can help uh, maybe jumpstart that process. So how'd you get involved? 
Mine is a, a little bit different. So as I told you, and I already mentioned before that my dad was a district athletic director. So before I was transitioning into this role and I primarily had on my athletic trainer's hat, I was going to the NIAAA conferences, but I was going sightseeing. So we were family trip. And ironically, when I was got the call to interview for this position, we were actually coming back from San Diego. So I to a lot of the conferences before. And I started to read the information that dad would bring back from the conference. And eventually I asked if I could get a guest pass to go to the exhibit hall. So now that was the first time that I was kind of indoctrinated into the conference. And I knew at that point that this was, if I was actually going to pursue athletic administration that I really needed to get involved. I've known Dr. Robin Hines, the executive director of the Georgia High School Association since I was in high school. And so when he became the executive director, I started to be an instructor for the GHSA's community coaches instructional program. And I'm looking forward to being involved in NIAAA with some of the LTI courses and teaching those. But that was kind of my introduction into the NIAAA that, you know, dad was there. And it just took one time of me being there. So if you're a new AD and the conference comes somewhere close into your proximity, trust me that if you take the initiative to go that first time, you'll be an annual attendee. Oh, we mentioned that many times at our state level. Uh, just if, if there was a way to get our, our younger ADs, even our veteran ADs, uh, to attend the national conference, particularly when it's in state, uh, that, you know, what a great hook and what a great experience. I can just imagine, uh, you know, running around those, uh, the exhibit hall there when you're younger. Okay. Yes. Um, you've had a chance to, um, you know, be an athletic director at the district level and, and see, you know, different schools. Um, one of the things that we like to do with our podcast is share this idea of best practices. So I'm going to put you on the spot here a little bit, you know, what's, uh, you know, one or two uh, things that you have seen your coaches do at your school, or maybe it's an initiative that you started uh, that you're particularly proud of. Uh, you might even say, you know, with great pride, uh, we do this better than anybody else. So, uh, you know, what are a couple of your uh, best practices? One I hold dear and dear is this past spring, when we were realizing that there was going to be, you know, this shutdown of our athletics due to COVID. And I had some transitions happening within some of my athletic departments with the athletic director position. And so our professional learning department has a leadership academy. So I went to them and asked if it would be possible for us to start an inspiring AD cohort within that program. And so from the spring until throughout the summer, just worked at really solidifying what the program would look like, what who the attendees would be. And it has been amazing. We have just, we just wrapped up our fourth session for the year. We have six sessions total. And what it is, it's just my current ADs and aspiring ADs within the district that we're going through and we're fine to cone in the policies. We're looking at, you know, what ways are unique to a particular school and we're doing group think, you know, and it's just a way that now, you know, there's attrition in everything. So if we have that 
AD that moves on to another district or gets a promotion within our district, that now there's a smoothest transition with an individual now within that building who has gone through the training, who has some of the foundational pieces to at least start successfully in running their athletic department. So I think that has been, it's called Teams Training Educators for Athletic Management. And I'm excited about, you know, we have our simulation day next month, and then there's a capstone at the end. They'll start to present what their athletic philosophies are, whether they're the current ADs or those that are aspiring, that they're already thinking about what their, what their philosophy will be and identifying their purpose statements. And I think once they do that, they'll be better equipped to lead the programs. Next year, I'm hoping to expand that as a coaches academy to either under three years of coaching experience and those coaches that are new to Rockdale because we do have some unique opportunities and some unique policies that we have. And we just need to make sure that they're equipped to understand the Rockdale way. Uh, absolutely. Uh, you know, we're a small school. And so, you know, we can't do an AD cohort, but we do our <laughs> coaches education. And uh, again, the veteran coaches have bought into it, the younger coaches, uh, even down to the middle school level uh, that we, we've tried to put on quality information. It sounds like you're doing the same thing. I mean, from a district level, what a great way to um, literally develop those next ADs uh, that hopefully are going to be working in your district. Uh, but if they choose to go off elsewhere, hey, you, you've done a good job. You've trained them right. So uh, great stuff. Um, let's go and talk about uh, COVID. Um, you know, we're, we're approaching, you know, one year uh, since the uh, original shutdown. To our listeners, we're recording this uh, in uh, January. But uh, it's been you know, interesting, or it's been in some cases heartbreaking to see the uh, various responses across the country. Uh, some states uh, have gone on as if nothing uh, has changed. Others have shut down completely and still haven't resumed athletics. So for our listeners, uh, what's happening in um, Atlanta, or what's happening in Georgia, you know, what's happening in your area of Atlanta as far as return to play as well as return to school? You know, what's going on? So for our, for the state of Georgia, we are, winter sports are underway. We just wrapped up our fall season um, football championships right after Christmas. And so winter sports are underway. We have, I mean, as expected, there have been a few hiccups with basketball and wrestling, but for the most part, you know, we're, we're rocking and rolling. Spring sports within the next three weeks, all of them will start their resumption. And so spring sports are underway. They too are having their infectious disease plans and outlining, you know, what they what steps they will keep their team safe in mitigating that transmission of COVID. And our athletic directors are doing a good job of scheduling so that we can minimize the number of teams that are on campus at one time to again keep, keep that separation within the teams. We have not started our in-person instruction yet. Right now, we're tentatively scheduled for February the 22nd for us to resume a hybrid model. And so our middle school sports are on pause until we resume that in-person instruction. But that's where we are, you know, um, coming off of this holiday break, we are not having any even employees coming into the building because we just want to make sure that when we employees and staff 
return that we're doing so in the safest manner possible coming off of Christmas or holiday break? You know, um, looking back on, on say your fall sports, and uh, I know you don't have this data right in front of you. So again, I'm putting you on the spot, but uh, off the top of your head, how many games did uh, you have to cancel as far as home events or, or even road events because of your students or your coaches or someone within your program, you know, testing positive or, you know, having to be in isolation? Can you, can you, you know, give a number, you know, um, how successful was the fall season? Well, we delayed. And so um, our fall sports did not resume until October. And so we, the initial hump, we, right. we were behind that. And so with football, we ended up missing one game from my three high schools. We ended up missing one game because of positive tests, but that was toward the end of the season. But for the most part, we were able to just in our slow resumption of sports and we only play that region schedule. So we didn't play any for volleyball and softball and cross country, we didn't run or play any non-conference teams. We played an all region schedule and we resumed sort of late in the season and our regions were able to work out that our two teams that were in the same region, that they would come in as the lower two seeds and work their way up into the championship if they made it, but that was only fair for them. And our football teams, our season was six weeks and at, we weren't looking for championships. We just really wanted to provide an opportunity for those athletes, especially those seniors, for them to get an opportunity to play. Oh, no, absolutely. And nobody wanted to uh, experience what we all did or didn't experience from the <laughs> previous spring. So, yeah, that, that's been pretty consistent. The informal research I've been doing is, uh, you know, very few games, uh, you know, once you got going, Mm -hmm. um, you know, had to be canceled. I think the, the coaches, the kids, the ADs, everybody, you know, did a good job of, uh, of following the protocols. Um, Keisha, another question we've been asking um, our ADs since we've been doing these podcasts um, has to do with this, the idea of social awareness, you know, social justice, if you will. And, and my question is this, uh, what are some things that we can do as athletic administrators better? You know, how can we do a better job as ADs in this area of social awareness? I think first, just understanding how athletics influences the school climate in itself. And so we have to identify what those non-negotiables are for us within our programs, whether it's unacceptable language, whether it's derogatory nicknames, it's sportsmanship, that display of sportsmanship, empathy and apathy toward our teammates. And if we can kind of continue or encourage that dialogue that creates change, because if we can have the harmony and cohesiveness that we have on our courts and fields and you know our tracks, why can't we teach our athletes that within the sense of community for them to transfer those same principles, that same brotherhood, that desire to help mankind out into their communities. And again, it's starting with what are those non-negotiables for your team? Is it, are there some behaviors that you know are there? Is that some language that you hear 
that it's just locker room talk, that you just allow that to happen, but that will then filter out into your community. So if we can stop it where we have them, and they're still impressionable at this age that we have them. So when we can address that now, just imagine what, when they get out into the world, because sports stays with us, it's those lifelong lessons, those intangibles that we're teaching. So if we can get them to then instill that when they're in the grocery store, when they're in church, when they're eating at a restaurant, when we resume. But if we can just get them to look at that same, they look at their teammates, regardless of color, orientation, religion, they look at their teammate as a teammate. So why can't we then look at those outside in our community that are different from us and love them the same way that we love our teammates with differences? No, absolutely. I think you hit it right on the head. And uh, again, those lifelong lessons that we're supposed to be teaching. Uh, you know, I, I think, you know, as ADs, you know, making sure we're following up and, you know, our coaches, our kids, everybody who has that name across their jersey or their jacket uh, is is uh, being a great representative. Okay, appreciate yes. you sharing that. Um, let's go and lighten it up a little bit. Um, I always ask the athletic directors, um, you know, what's your favorite part of the job? And after about, you know, 65 episodes, uh, the answer was always the same. Oh, it's the kids. And of course, it should be the kids. Okay. Why are you in this business if you don't like kids? But acknowledging that you love your kids. Okay. Uh, what are some other reasons that uh, you get excited about coming to work each day? You know, what do you really like about the job? The relationships and not just about the kids. It, it's the relationships. You know, I've been here 14 years. And so now it's seeing a team that's kind of turned that corner, that struggled with some successes in the past. And now they've turned that corner. They're starting to see some success. They're getting those victories. It's in wearing my athletic training hat and those relationships and seeing a kid that has been injured and missed some time and then seeing just the joy that they have when they're able to return to their competitive sport. And just, we, we go through the highs and lows with our coaches and with our kids. And it's those strong relationships that are strengthened through those ups and downs. And I think during this time that, you know, COVID and just the adjustments and the daily adjustments that we're having to make, I just think the display and how our coaches and kids have just persevered through this, that has been one of my favorite parts. Yeah, and I'm right there with you. It's, you know, I think we have the best job in the world. You know, we get to hang out with kids, we get to hang out with coaches, you know, other ADs um, and, and the flexibility. I, I was just speaking to an AD and she used the expression, yeah, today we're on plan 723. Uh, and it, it's true, okay. Uh, so. Yes being able to, you know, deal with it, laugh at it, and uh, and then move on. You know, I, I think those are uh, things that we get to do every day. Yes. Well, Dr. Rawls, okay, it has been wonderful having some time to talk with you, uh, yes. but we're not done yet. Okay. We always like to wrap up with what we call the athletic director's toolbox. Now, you're certainly a veteran AD, but right now I'm going to challenge you to send out a, a brand new athletic director, someone from your cohort, but I'm only going to let you put three items in their toolbox. What three things are going to go in Keisha Rowell's athletic director toolbox? 
Number one, be intentional. Just understand that every decision and action that you make has a consequence. So if it is a coach asking you when you're rushing out the door for permission, think pause before you answer because your quick answer could have a ripple effect to some of the other programs. So that, that just being intentional with your decisions. Number two, I'm a planner. So a checklist, a to-do list, you know, just having life throws us curveball. So we can't plan for life, but we can have a plan. And having that, it makes you optimize your time and it makes you accessible. And so you then, when you're planning and you have that, that you can follow, it helps also with that work-life balance because we have to have a productive and positive work-life balance. So having a plan that you're tackling each day, you're tackling each week, and you're tackling each month, that's important. And I think the last one is, remember that there are no minor sports. Whether it is esports, whether it's tennis, whether it's cheerleading, you know, to at least one athlete on that team, that's the most important sport to them. So whether it is revenue producing or not, those athletes need to know that it's important to you as well. Uh, I, I love all three of them. I, and the last one in particular, I mean, <laughs> if that kid is wearing that Jersey with that school name on it, Hey, that's a big deal. So uh, yes, it absolutely, is. you know, no small sports. Dr. Keisha Rowles, thank you so much for spending some time with us today and uh, all the best moving forward in 2021. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Okay. To our listeners, remember uh, the Zoom recordings of these interviews are also being uploaded to the FIAAA Educational Athletic Director YouTube channel. So take a watch. And uh, until next time, thanks for tuning in. Come back again next time for another episode of the Educational AD.